And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 205. Uh, that is Connor Ryan. I am Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm here. I'm talking. I have a voice. Uh, I am present. How are you? I'm I'm all right. You've been better though. You've been you've been like this thing's kicking your ass. You've got like a viral respiratory thing, right? That's just absolutely you're going like that. 20 rounds with this thing, you know? You got that, got a sinus uh infection, got a whole bunch of shit. So uh my apologies to anyone who heard my my solo podcast last Saturday. It sounded like I think a mix of like SpongeBob when he didn't have water, uh <laughs> mixed with like the Emperor. So I can only imagine people listening to that and that cause me like, what the fuck is this guy? This guy sounds like he's, what he's happened deceased. To him? So uh, I'm not sounding much better, but at least I can uh, speak a little bit today. My voice uh, returned after a few days of literally not being able to do anything. So uh, happy to be here, Evan. I'm not going to say that this all started because one, Duncan didn't get me a free Dunking's tracksuit and two, the Terriers lost the bean pot. But I'm just saying... I'm just saying, Evan, a little bit of a coincidence, isn't it? I tend to agree with that, especially the Dunk Kings thing. That should have been. I think that's on Dunks. I blame this on Dunks. I think the Dunks is behind this. Um, mm -hmm. No, it's, I, you know, I, they'll send, send the tracksuits to the people who like do fake fucking Boston accents oh, and make little TikToks. So they'll send oh, them to those people. But are those the people the hard, not the worst? The hard-working hard Duncan loyalists here who go there every day for sustenance. To fuel their days, they get fucking screwed, Evan. The people who use dunks to work, these people yeah. who do the fake Boston accents online, where's the work they're doing? They're just, oh yeah, you know, in the in the Harvard, yeah. Like I, yeah, go back this to could fucking be a whole other, This could be a whole other podcast, but there's two people I'm thinking of. I'm not gonna name them, but they they do the fake Boston accents. I see them on TikTok. Although I did give up TikTok for Lent, Connor. So I have not been on TikTok in like a week and I'm doing okay. Impressive. Doing okay. Impressive. It is impressive. But uh, I always used to see their videos, uh, whether it be on TikTok or Instagram and it's, and, and they get the sponsorships because these stupid companies with dumb marketing people think, oh yeah, this is what's going to, this is going to build our brand. We're going to give it to these people who have these fake videos. That's perfect. And, and it, it gets me so agitated. Uh, I, I can't stand it. It, the fake influencer thing, the fake Boston accent thing. These people suck. I don't like them. And you should be the one getting the Duncan sponsorship, not them. So that's that's hey, where you're I stand a good, on that. You're a good friend. I try. And I also hate those people so Yeah, much. not so bad, yeah. <laughs> like, there are very few things that get me to, like, really, you know, get agitated. That's one of them. That's one of them. The other thing is people taking what other people report and tweeting it. And not like giving credit. Like there were a couple people on on Twitter I've noticed, not gonna name names, uh, who will take people's reporting, which is behind like a paywall, like at the Athletic or um, the Globe or different things like that, New England Hockey Journal, and they will tweet out just what's in the story. And it's yeah, like it's well, that defeats the that defeats the purpose of the whole thing now, doesn't it? Um, now throw so, a little link at the bottom of it after you've already ripped out their fucking information, like a like a vulture in the Serengeti. Put the yes. link at the bottom of that it makes it all squared away. Yeah, that, that works. That's always perfect. Um, and some people are like, oh, why are they bitching about this? Well, you're sick. You're not feeling great. I can feel myself getting sick again for the second time in like 
two or three weeks. So I'm pissed off and I have some, it's like, it's like Festivus airing of grievances. I've got some grievances and that's what we're going to do. Um, anyways, uh, the Bruins have been out West, uh, in Western Canada, which is also perfect for you who need sleep, having to stay up until one in the morning to watch uh, the that, that, that fucking Edmonton, that, that goddamn Edmonton <laughs> game. I was like, oh man, this game is so good. <laughs> yeah. Os- Osmosis Jones is fighting for his goddamn life inside, inside me. <laughs> so I'm like, like, go to bed. Shit. So I'm like, oh, like I can't. I can't treat out this Maga Boy goal. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't. Well, the best part was I. Uh, the minute the game ended, I turned the TV off and I went straight to bed. And I look at my phone and I see like Ty tweets the lobster pick of me, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why is this needed at this moment? And I saw that TNT put my my tweet on. And the ironic part is that tweet sucked. That's like an and I and because I don't Connor, you're actually creative. I'm not so much creative. So when I can't tweet out the clips of the game, I don't know what to say. So I, I'm like, you know, I, that McAvoy goal was filthy. Uh, where's that Stephen A. gif of him with Michael Wilbon? You know, like, where is it's a that? a great gif. It is a great gif. But it's a very, like, that's a very 2015 kind of tweet. Like, with it, But TNT still, like, eats that stuff up. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I found that funny. I was like, man, they picked, like, the worst, my worst tweet. And and put it on display, like I look like you know mainstream Evan. Um, so hey, it's good publicity uh, for New England Hockey Journal. Oh, just the best, just the best. Um, anyways, uh, Bruins win in overtime against Edmonton six to five. They lose in overtime on Thursday night three to two in Calgary. Um, there's been some good. There's been some bad. Um. Both over games going to overtime has not been great for people, especially late. Like if you have if you have some sleeping troubles and it's like, oh, I like to relax before I go to bed. That's not going to do it for you. Um, what have you what have you liked good so far from both games? Let's start with the good. Yeah, I mean, I do like some of the resilience that comes with, especially in that Oilers game um, did not look good for a while there. You blow a full one lead. Um, I can see as good as that. I think going into the late stages of third period, I think we're on the same boat of like, man. Need some timely saves there. Can't put your foot off the gas. This is left side of this defense looks rough. Um, it's a lot of evident flaws. And I think you don't come out of these games, even that two-point uh, win over Edmonton or, you know, getting a point out of that Calgary game when this team was clearly gassed. Um, I don't think you'd come out of this being like, oh, this team has turned, you know, a new leaf or they've gotten out of this kind of malaise they've been in since the All-Star break. But I think you do like the resilience you've seen from uh, – players in critical situations, kind of what we said all year long, even games where they're pretty flat. They tend to stick in games. They tend to fight through things. Um, you've had a lot of guys contribute um, that have been pretty stagnant for a while. You had a two-goal game from Charlie Coyle. He gets 20 goals on the year. Um, I think Jake DeBrusque had probably his maybe his best game of the year in Edmonton. He was awesome in that game yeah. and uh, made more things happen in this game against Calgary as well. Um, Trent Frederick has made a couple of plays on the fourth line. I think we'll talk about it a little bit. The fourth line has had a few guys step up as of late. So I think it'd be one thing that his team was really treading water and the defense was struggling and, and there's more to give there. But if they were just like clinging on to games off of just relying on Swayman and Allmark and David Posternark's leading the way with, you know, three goals in four games, then you're like, all right, well, we know what they're relying on. They're kind of just treading water right now. At least you're seeing some other players step up. Um, and contribute over this stretch here, which has at least been pretty encouraging. Um, if you look at just the way that more guys are pulling on the rope right now. 
They are. And I think, you know, to come out of those two games with uh, three points is a good thing. Um, resilient, obviously, that can, you know, the game against Edmonton, you you blow a couple lead, you blow a pretty big lead, actually. Was it 4-2 or 4-1 entering four, the, four the third? Four, it was 4-1. Four, one. Uh, and, and that's kind of where we hit the bad, right? Like, you're up 4-1 going into the third. I know Edmonton's a desperate, fast team, but you've got to kind of find a way to hold on to that. And that started with Jeremy Swayman letting that goal in. Um, it, it wasn't Cody Cece who scored, but his shot got through. Cody Cece yeah. would have scored, but I forget who the guy was. Yeah, me and Mark, right? Yeah, came in and just a little boop, like gets the goal. Um, but that shot yeah, from Cece can't came have in. it happen. No, not even a little bit. And, you know, as, as we saw, I mean, that was kind of when that surge came where Edmonton scored right after and they scored a tie it. And then it was just kind of back and forth. Um, I think the goaltending from Swayman, it's interesting because Swayman made some outstanding saves in that game, um, especially in overtime. overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Like made some huge saves. And it's like, those are the shots, like the one from CC that gets through. And it's frustrating, I think, for everybody. So that's one of the bad things. Um, and then, you know, I mean, Derek Forbert continues to struggle. Um, and I know, again, he's been back. I talked about this with Bell Frazier on Bruins Beat earlier this week. And for me, I mean, you don't have a ton of options with Lindholm Hurt, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but you, you, you've you got to let him try to at least get back into the swing of things. Um, yeah. And I think that's the tough part is obviously, yes, uh, they could use someone else back there. It, you know, it would be – he's not – playing well enough to continue to play, but you do need him to continue to play because you need him to get right for the postseason. Um, and I think that's a tough dilemma for this team, but this is the time to do it. Um, right. I'm curious what else or what you thought of the bad over the last two games. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely in the goaltending um, with Swayman, that is something that has to get short up and it's frustrating, right? Cause as you said, he had some great saves in overtime, but when you're playing a team like Edmonton, that's so dangerous up front or like hell, like look, let's say you get to the playoffs and you play against Toronto, a really explosive team, you're controlling play, then you let in, let in a softy. That's how the floodgates start. You can't have that happen yep. to some of these teams that are so gifted offensively. Look at, like, Florida the same way. Like you cannot – the margin of error is so slim in the playoffs that – it's also very funny because I feel like that's one thing that Rask would get obliterated with every time because there were times where he'd be completely locked in. Fantastic. But then there would be a few of those softies where you're like, uh oh. Have and that. immediately we get fucking roasted, but ah, you, you don't hear it. now. It's like I fucking forward. I'm like, I, I don't know. Like that was just a pretty bad goal. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I was, I texted you like, oh, forward or whatever on the play, but you're right. Like it is. Swayman's got to have those. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, you, you can, well, again, we'll take a deep breath. I can't do it. Cause then I'll cough on my camera. But, I was going to say, um, yeah, I won't take <laughs> Flem, a deep breath. Just... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. all over the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's just like an awful like uh 4D Disney ride. It's like it's like the magic <laughs> school bus. Yeah, no, it was uh, like those when little kids, I always say like when little kids sneeze and they're like, like it's just yeah. like it goes everywhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like just <laughs> snot, <laughs> like snot all over their iPad. Just like like the goddamn mucinex man's about to make a fucking appearance if, if you don't you know <laughs> you know what but before we continue <laughs> yes let, let's go to the fan duel real quick <laughs> 
Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with things like quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and a whole lot more. And really, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You want to place a bet on how many home runs Rafael Devis is going to hit this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many goals David Potsnack is going to score against the Maple Leafs later on this season. Go for it. You can really do it all with pretty much any sport out there. Even with the NFL season done, the opportunities are endless. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And the best part of all, you get paid instantly. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-throwable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, we're composed now. We're good. We I'm back. Get it out of, get it out of us. Back. That was good timing by me on that. I can remember. Yes. Shout out to FanDuel. Shout out to FanDuel for saving my life. <laughs> literally. literally. Um, anywho, uh, so yeah, Swayman's got to be better. Um, you know what's interesting? And this is just an observation I've had. I saw some people tweeting about it um, after the Calgary game. <laughs> that Pasternak play that, you know, he, sh- he had the 2 on 0 with McAvoy. Pasternak is so skilled that he makes those kinds of play. Like he tried, like I'm all for him trying those things. The five hole did look open on Markstrom yeah. and Markstrom just kind of closed it up quick. Yeah. But Pasternak has this unfortunate habit of making highly skilled plays look like he doesn't care. Like on that yeah. play, like someone who doesn't watch a lot of hockey would be like, what What the hell is he doing? Like he, he he's not even trying or like the shootout attempts, like, um, you know, sometimes he'll, you know, try to sh- do something very simple, but make it look skilled, uh, or skilled and make it look simple. So it looks like he's doing nothing if it doesn't go in and people are like, wait, what's he doing? Like, does he even care? And it's like, no, he's like, he's trying to do something like, you know, unique. And I understood going for five hole there. I initially thought he was trying to do the shot low pad and have the rebound bounce to McAvoy, which is which I was like, that's a crazy thing to do in overtime on a two on zero. Right. But it looked like he was going five hole, which I, in that case, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, yeah. Do you have any other leftover, like good or bad that we're not about to talk about um, from those two games? I mean, I think that's probably sums it up. Right. I mean, I, I think it's at least encouraging. You're seeing more guys get involved. You're seeing, I mean, Montgomery has completely put those lines in a blender once again. So it's hard to really glean like, which line's getting chemistry, which one we're seeing as maybe something we can they can build off of going forward. But um, I think that you're seeing more guys contribute, at least is encouraging, is you're trying to get more guys building their game. If everyone's building their game, their own individual game, and playing at a high level, results are going to play out. If DeBrus keeps on playing like that, if Frederick keeps on playing in the bottom six like that, if Coyle's you know, getting his scoring touch back, it's all going to lead to better results across the board for this team moving forward. 
It is. I, I completely agree. Uh, Hampus <clears throat> Lindholm, though, went down with an injury prior to this trip uh, on a weird play. Uh, kind of goes down and, you know, yeah. it uh, sounds like it's going to be week to week with him. No surgery required. Um, this comes at a bad time, though, because you got the trade deadline uh, coming up soon. And, you know, uh, Lindholm has had his ups and downs this year. You don't need him. You know, last year, I remember in the, in the playoffs, he had a little bit of a foot injury. Um, and it sort of completely messed with him. He still doesn't look completely right. Now he has something else it looks like, um, and this could kind of force their hand when it comes to the deadline. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, brutal timing for the Bruins, right? Because, again, we've looked at the t- the trade deadline and what they could you know acquire. We've, I think we've all agreed that we're looking more at marginal upgrades and stuff further down the lineup that I think can be useful, whether it's uh, another fourth-line kind of tone-setting player a third pairing physical kind of player that can, you know, keep uh, skaters on a great AI as well, add a little bit more punishment out there. Like, I think they could use those things, but now you're all of a sudden in a spot where, all right, do they need to be in the hand of in sweepstakes? And I think in a perfect world, the Bruins aren't, you know, relinquishing assets and doing cap gymnastics right now to bring him in when they could ideally wait until the off season to just throw a contract at him. Right. Um, now they may not be in that situation because there might be an actual need if Lindholm's not ready because um, – and it creates its own set of pros and cons, right? Like obviously this team is better with Noah Hannafin here, but when you look at what the cost is to get him via trade where you'd have to give up a 2025 first, maybe one of Lorai or Patra. Yeah. you got to make the money work, so you got to move out a contract here or there. Like you'd much rather wait until he, he hits the market hopefully – and just give him a contract if that's the situation. You don't want to lose one of your few talented young players uh, just because, you know, you've had injury bug bite. But you look at, like, where Lindholm is right now. You look at Fulbert, how he's playing. Grizzly is banged up. Like, left side of the defense is in trouble right now. It is. And, you know, Grizzly, as you mentioned, banged up the other night. Forbert has uh, struggled quite a bit. Uh, Lindholm out. Wartherspoon, is that a guy you really want <clears throat> in there every night? Um, and you know, I, I just, the, it's interesting. I saw in the athletic, they had a mock trade or like trades that should happen or something. And Patra was involved in the, in their projected trade for, um, for Hannafin. And I find the Patra stuff interesting because Sweeney's when, when Patra went down, uh, for the season, Sweeney issued a statement and I don't have it in front of me, but it basically said something along the lines of, we view him as someone who's going to be around here a long time. Um, you know, and someone we really value. I have a tough time thinking they're going to just ship him off. Um, especially when you could potentially get Hannafin in the off season. I know Hannafin wants to get the most amount of money he possibly can, but I don't like, I don't know. I, I don't see the need at this moment to go fully all in for Hannafin. And I get it. You would be, I mean, again, Hannafin, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, like, yes, I, I get it. How good it would be. Long term, is that the best thing to give up assets to get that when you could potentially get that uh, in free agency? But um, we'll discuss that a little bit more in a second. Uh, first, a quick word from our friends over at Factor Meals. So what we are seeing uh, in terms of the Bruins and their deadline plan, um, we've said for a long time, probably going to be out on the top guys, whether it be Hannafin or, or anybody else. But uh, they're going to have to be buyers. I don't think they can stand Pat. I don't think they can do nothing. Um, they will at least have to do something. And I think it goes along the lines of what we've been saying now for a couple of weeks. And that, um, even, you know, it's 
the only d- difference with these injuries to the left side of the defense, um, the only change is that now we know for a fact they need depth on D. For a long time, it was a little bit of a debate of, oh, do they need a forward? Do they need a defenseman? Now it's like, I mean, you could use both. You should get both. But priority one is getting some depth on the back end for sure. Yeah. And I think it also goes into like I, I did a pros and cons story today for Boston.com looking at Hannafin and like one of the cons is like, all right, if you're going all in on Hannafin and listen, like Hannafin's great. It's 27, 6, 3, uh, kind of like Lindholm, right? Like can move the puck, can generate offense, can do a little bit of everything. He's very talented. He's not necessarily like a bruising guy back there. Like he he kills plays with like, you know, positioning, stick work first mm-hmm. pass he's not like separating the puck from a player by smashing them he's into the Scott boards or anything. <laughs> right yeah he's he's not that kind of player so if you're spending all of your again very limited assets right now on a guy like canifin who again helps your team but it means you can't get that third pairing guy um that can you know Emil labushkin or nick sealer who like eats pucks he's like leading the league i think in block shots um or even like, you know, I maybe he's more of like a second pairing guy, but like Jacob Middleton, right? Like a guy who's a little bit more of a physical player. You want to have the assets to get those guys or like a Brendan Duhame or someone else on the fourth line for spending all of them on just to get a guy like Hannafin. Like the best case scenario, if the Bruins are trying to like, you know, go you swing for the fences, I mean, without involving Hannafin, like maybe it's you get like Duhame and Middleton from Minnesota, which would probably cost a lot. And then you sign Hannafin in the offseason. Like that would be like all of a sudden you've got Hannafin with like a, a third pairing stalwart like Middleton. Then you're cooking moving forward, right? But again, this has to have a lot go your way. Need Hannafin to land in a spot where he doesn't want to sign there long term because that's also the risk you run. It's kind of like the Ryan McDonough thing, right? Where it's like, remember in 2018, the Bruins, you know, were linked to him. But it's like, oh, fuck, we don't want to give up the brush. We don't want to give up these guys really like. And then McDonough goes to the the Lightning and becomes a stalwart of two, you know, cup-winning teams. It's like, well, don't want Hannafin right now just because we'd rather sign him for agency. Well, what if he goes to the Panthers? What if he goes to Tampa Bay? He's like, well, back in the States, in Florida. I was going to say. Two pretty good winning franchises. Like, I can live down here. There's a family every once in a while. It's a quick direct flight between Fort Lauderdale and Boston. It's not too bad. Then all of a sudden you're a Bruins fan. You're like, oh. It's not great. I I was gonna say that's the the fear is that as much as he might want to uh, sign here, you get to Florida. It's good franchises. Panthers are on the up and up. You know that's like an encouraging organization. The Lightning have won a bunch. They're really nice areas to live. Players want to go there. Matthew Kachuk did that. Yep. You know, like old friend, I, old friend from it, Calgary. Old friend, like you worry about that. And then again. That's an Atlantic division team that could have it over you. So um, that's an interesting point. I agree with you. That is something to think about. Um, we'll we'll talk a lot more about the deadline in the coming days, weeks. I know you're doing another podcast with Ty Anderson um, on kind of deadline stuff. So I don't want to uh, get all up in that because uh, I know we're going to be talking about that a lot more as the weeks and days go along. Uh, fourth line, though, pleasant surprise. Uh, I know he's not on the fourth line, but he's been on it in the past couple games. Uh, Anthony Richard. How about that saucer pass to yeah. Charlie Coyle? That was that was nifty. I like that. Uh, but Brazo has been an interesting addition. Big guy, creates space. No problem going to the net. Like, I like it. 
Um, and again, I don't know if you found, uh, you know, and Jesper Boquist too has been kind of revitalized. He's had chances. He went in the shootout the other night. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, which is, eh. um, but I, it is encouraging because I don't think you found the set trio yet. And there's obviously there's injuries and things like that. Um, but Brazo seems interesting. Boquist has been interesting. Richard has been interesting. They play with some speed and some physicality. I think it's at least at the very least it's trending in the right direction. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it is trending the right direction. Cause it's still a fourth line that he said, they haven't found a set trio. I think they're still trying to find their overall identity of what that line is. And when you like look at guys like Boquist or Richard um, and where they are, like, are they just like, you know, uh, you know, fast skating players that can maybe generate a little bit of offense. Like you'll take that. Is that like what a fourth line should be? Like what exactly, you know, you can cater fourth line whoever you want, right? Like there's like the Merlot lines. There's like Carolina's fourth line. <laughs> been a lot of just straight line guys that can, you know, like just create havoc on the four check. Um, Bruins have a lot of guys they can turn to, to kind of fill out different spots there. And like, again, uh, the whole thing with Brazo is that he's, you know, known for being a pretty good score in the AHL, big body, not like a power forward, I would say. Like, I wouldn't view him as this guy that's going to be, you know, the next Tom Wilson or anything like that. And his skating has been something that's been knocked, but puts himself in great AIs. Every time he takes a shot, it's like within five feet of the net, a pretty good formula to generate good chances there. So, you know, whether it's him, Richard, again, Boquist, like, I think there's a lot of people were upset when Beecher got sent down for, for Boquist, but, you know, he's been good in faceoffs, been responsible defensively like he's doing all the little things you kind of need to solidify that spot so um again i'd still like the bruins to go get a like fourth line maybe you got a little bit more of a sandpaper to their game before the deadline but um it does seem like that third that fourth line is going to be a work in progress all the way up till april and then probably hell when we get to the playoffs like there's still going to be a lot of mixing and matching there yeah i completely agree um and again, you don't have to have it filled out now. Um, and again, I think it also kind of comes back to what you were mentioning about Duhame and and guys like that is, you know, if you go out and get one of those guys, where do they fit on that fourth line? How do they fit with a Brazo or a Lauco? I, Steen, I'm not that interested in anymore. Um, I think you kind of know what you have in him. He's a good guy to fill in. Um, kind of a, as Hag said last week, a tweener, you know, going between mm-hmm. the AHL and the NHL. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't think Steen is your long-term full-time solution on the fourth mm-hmm. line, at least from what uh, I've seen so far. But uh, this has been an adventure, Connor. This has been this has been uh, this has been we made great. it through. We did it. You did it. Um, we only had to break once, but that was for an ad, so it was perfect timing anyway. Yep, um, absolutely. But but anyways, you're grinding through some sickness. But what can the people look forward to from you over at uh, the Globe and uh, Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to be covered every step of the way um, this season with game recaps, features, breakdowns. Again, we have a, a thing on Noah Hannafin out today, so please read that. Um, you can find all of it over at boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week.